This is the Drink 5 Fantasy Football Podcast, June 23rd, 2015, the AFC West Spotlight. Woo! Dave, it's uh, great to be back here on another Tuesday night talking about some fantasy football tonight. I am joined, as always, uh, across from me is Dave. Uh, I am Jason, and uh, we're going to talk about the NFC West tonight. AFC. Sorry, the AFC West. I'll <clears throat> drink every time I screw that one up tonight. Um, but I, what I want to know, Dave, is what are you drinking right now? Well, uh, I just picked up like a Goose Island variety pack. Um, so what I am drinking is, I believe, the last of a Honker's Ale, um, and I've got a Ten Hills, which is an APA. Uh, you can hear my voice might be a little raspy. I am trying to get over um, singing too hard in one of my shows. <clears throat> I actually have another show <laughs> on Thursday, so it looks like I might be... Uh, Completely uh, mute by next week. Yeah. I won't, be, I won't be speaking at all. It'll be great. <laughs> well, Dave, it's rock and roll, so... You just got to go for it. Yep, that sounds good. Uh, and yourself, you're drinking the same selection, but you probably have different beers. Sure, I have the Goose IPA right now. The bright citrus aromas and bold hop finish. Uh, you know, they, they take a big beers approach to marketing to their small, you know, not so small market beers. Yeah, well, yeah, well I, I, I like Goose Island. You don't Island. get the fun comedy that we get, like, when we buy Pipeworks or Lagunitas. They've decided that they're, uh, they're you know, adults... In the industry, instead of uh, instead of like teenagers or instead uh, of grown grown kids. Well, most of those craft beers, right, are like college kids, sort of, or like people in their twenties. It's like doing crazy stuff to see where uh, their restrictions. I lie. think they started that way, but a lot of these, you know, a lot of those breweries are very old and enormous businesses now, and they just maintain their air of uh, you know youthfulness, I suppose. Well, sure, and and you know. There's hipsters that are like 35 years old. So, <laughs> yeah, there's hipsters that are 55 years old. I suppose that bends the definition of hipster a little bit for me. Well, okay. You think Mark Marin is a hipster? No, no, <laughs> no. I don't. He's close, and he's like 50. He he's heard of everything before you, and he hates everything. So he's pretty close, and he has a mustache. If you're using that as a definition, then <laughs> then Mark Marin is a hipster. We're stereotyping hipsters. Yeah, I just finished watching a couple of his episodes, but I'm gonna jump into the show. So, uh, Denver Broncos, um, probably the most successful team in the past couple of years. Well, definitely the most successful team in the past couple of years out of this division, AFC West, mm-hmm. um, went through a little bit of a shakeup in this offseason. So, especially in a managerial aspect, they lost their coach, John Fox, who came over to the Chicago Bears. Yeah. Um, and how would you describe John Fox's coaching style? Um, he feels like a guy who does a very balanced approach to most of the things he does in football. Uh, a lot of times you'll hear that a guy is an offensive genius or a, you know, he, he's defensive-minded. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he, from what I can remember, you know, he likes to run the ball and throw the ball, and he, he likes to have good defense. He, he just, you know, he's just kind of strong all around without necessarily excelling in one area. The reason why the passing game excelled so much – with him there was because of Peyton Manning. 
Yeah, so he's a he's a player's coach. Uh, it's all about the players and getting them to jump on board the organization. And then he hires people to do his offensive right. play calling. Right, he is a good leader, I suppose, is what you <clears throat> would take away from that. Yeah, which is uh, was a good thing for the Broncos. They did very well with him. And I don't think uh, he's leaving because they don't like him anymore. Uh, he just went on to other things because the whole regime kind of changed a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they kept uh, John Elway at GM. And Gary Kubiak, I believe, was John Elway's either OC or quarterback's coach back when he was on the Broncos, when he was winning Super Bowls on the Broncos. I think so. You're, so that's the kind of connection that brought him back. You're always going to find in these situations that like, uh, if, if a GM hires a coach or if a coach hires a defensive coordinator, they are somehow tied together. They always pick someone. They've that worked together at some point yeah, before. Threaded to somehow, yeah. So now they have Gary Kubiak, <clears throat> and there's a lot that could be said about him, uh, but still a guy who's been uh, entrenched in the NFL industry for a long time. Yeah, he had a lot of ups and downs in Houston was his last stop. And uh, as far as being a balanced coach like Fox, Kubiak does like to run the ball more often than pass it or have a run-first mentality uh, for at least a lot of his offenses that he did run. So that's going to be interesting to see how uh, this is affected here. Um, We'll talk about Peyton Manning in a minute, but he has always led like this uh, pass, not necessarily heavy, but pass-centered offense where he's always looking for someone to go to, and then he might dump it off um, or have a couple designed runs. But I think we're going to see, since he's getting a little older, for example... Yeah, Peyton checks into runs an awful lot. Yeah, and, and, and that's a trend that's happening. And it's probably another reason why they wanted to go with the Kubiak, because they're going to have to go to their running game more often than they did previously. Um, <clears throat> also, Wade Phillips, defensive coordinator that was hired on there, and he has a good track record and should uh, uh, bolster their defense. Do you have anything to say about Phillips? Um, you know, I remember Phillips, Phillips from down in uh, – he, he was uh, Kubiak's defensive coordinator in Houston after he got fired uh, from yeah. the head coaching job in Dallas. And, um, you know, Houston had a decent defense at the time, but he had some just superstars, you know. They had uh, they J.J. Watt, you know, and he kind of helped develop him. Uh, but, you know, th- that's a freakish talent that, you know, Wade Phillips doesn't get too much credit for. Sure. So uh, this will be interesting. I think John Elway knows what he's doing in putting together a front office and putting together a team. Uh, So I expect them to do well again this year. Yeah, I I think so too. And obviously they're they're trying for another uh, Super Bowl appearance. They're just going to keep doing that as long as they have Manning under center. Um, You know, it's a little disingenuous to say that because... Why wouldn't a team be trying to get to the Super Bowl? Yeah, but the Jaguars can't get to the Super Bowl. But they're, you know, in training camp, they're trying. Yes, of course, in theory. I'm, I'm saying maybe I shouldn't say that. But but they they definitely have a realistic run it, with Peyton Manning still. It's more like... And that window is closing fast. It's more like them and the fans will all be disappointed if they don't make it again to at least the conference finals. Because that is the kind of team that has enough stuff to get there. Um, yeah, they just don't have enough wins in the playoffs. <laughs> um, Owen Daniels is another addition they got from Baltimore, um, and that should prove interesting. We'll talk about that in a little bit as it relates to Julius Thomas and Jacob Tammy, both of who left for uh, Jacksonville and Atlanta, respectively. Yeah. Uh, so, like, their whole tight end core just left and uh, went somewhere else. Yeah, but I don't worry that Peyton Manning, you know, is going to struggle to find people to throw the ball to. No, and, and we'll chat about that, like I said, but the uh, point is, a guy like Julius Thomas was incredibly successful among tight ends. 
Um, and yes. it's not only because Peyton Manning was throwing him the ball. He was like mm. a big, huge receiver with good hands. Yeah, he had some injury problems at the end of last year. So maybe the Broncos know something that the rest of the public doesn't. Well, he's on the Jaguars. Certainly something that the Jaguars don't know. So, yeah. They know a lot that the Jaguars don't know. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, Peyton Manning's 39 years old. He will be 39 this year. Uh, well, he already is, but I mean during the season. So he's not 40. He's not the 40-year-old Peyton Manning. That'll be next year if he still continues to play. Um, he did throw for a combined 10,000 yards and 94 touchdowns over the past two seasons, which is probably a mark that no one has ever reached. Um, and, and I think that. It would have been cooler if it was 100 touchdowns, Peyton. 94 touchdowns? But, you know, I mean. That's pretty good. It's awfully good. 94 is a big number. Only 25 picks Mm. during that time. So they're going to give it another try, like we just discussed. Of course, they try every time, but this is a team that can get there. Um, So even though I think that Manning is sort of slowing down, especially towards the end of these seasons, which you can see uh, actually, you know, in hard statistics, his numbers decrease towards the end of uh, the regular season, and that's probably because they're like trying to rest him. But then, even in those uh, subsequent playoff games, uh, you can tell that he's a little holy crap. He's a little tired, and there's issues, and they go to the running game more often. So I, I think maybe what they're trying to do with Kubiak, etc., uh, good running backs like Anderson and Ball that they have on their team now, uh-huh. is try to go more that direction to give Peyton the rest to be able to win those games at the end of them. Um, so, That's the idea, but they're going to need Peyton, you know, <clears throat> to win every game for them. Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, I don't know that you can you can you can plan that out, but I don't know that anyone can ever actually execute that correctly. Well, the team that wins the Super Bowl has to be an overall good team. It has to be right. But uh, it comes to a point that I'm I'm interested in, and uh, that is if if it's possible to pick up like a Peyton Manning, or if you run into him during a draft, etc. I'm thinking about hey Peyton, what's up? I'm thinking about like picking him up and playing him because I know that his stats will be good for at least the first like half or three quarters of the season. They'll, better than good, they'll be probably among the best in the league, uh, top three quarterbacks. He's the last two seasons led the league in, with the, the fewest sack percentage, the lowest sack percentage. Yeah, so you want him on your team if you can get him, but he'll go high. I think he might drop a little bit this year just because of concerns, but still not any significant amount. My point is, it, would it be a good strategy to to pick up someone like that and have him sort of lead you through the year and then uh, kind of give him off to someone for someone else of, of equal or, or greater value? Sure. I mean, we've talked about stuff like uh, picking up wide receivers early and dumping them right away, doing that with older veteran players. Uh, you know, when guys get hot, you trade them because – uh, unless they're Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, they're not necessarily going to be hot all year. Yeah, I want to start doing a little bit more of, of stuff like that. So it might be something I try to keep track of this year, for example. Okay. But if you look at like a guy like Peyton, and, and certainly you don't have to be 39 years old to fall into this category, really just need to fall into like that uh, top third of like the older veteran players. Um, you know sure. they're how they're going to perform because they have such a, a great like platform of stats to base that on. And his consistency is wonderful. Uh, what I think, if you're going to go and do that, you need to have a plan ahead of time. You need to draft a second guy that you think uh, can take Peyton's place after you trade him. Um, you or know, You I mean, need to have that guy. You need to have someone ready. Sure. You can't count on picking someone up. Uh, to replace a Peyton Manning kind of production. Well, in a standard scoring league with uh, with only one quarterback slot, there are sometimes people that are on the bench that you could pick up 
I mean, on the uh, on the waiver wire. But mostly, I think people are playing 12-team leagues or dynasty leagues, or maybe they have a super flex. And a lot of leagues, even if they are a 10-team standard, uh, most people are going to carry two quarterbacks. So you're right. Then you're going to be pulling someone who is under the Andy Dalton line, which you don't want. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just saying avoid having to be below the Andy Dalton line after you get rid of Peyton Manning. So, good point. Think about it ahead of time. Make, make a plan up. Yeah. Um, running back position is interesting to discuss here. A lot of people, uh, well, not a lot of people, but some people still think that Moneyball might take the job back. Um, there are a lot of people that, that had like this unrealistic view of Ball when he first came out, um, but he did have some good games. However, C.J. Anderson did so well in the second half of last year's season that I really don't see any scenario outside of him being struck by lightning or something. And... Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not being able to play for the rest of the season for a guy like Monty Ball or Ronnie Hillman to be very relevant at all uh, because Anderson will likely monopolize all of the carries. Uh, yeah, like he did at the end of the season. I mean, they're going to run him a lot. In, like you were saying, they, they're they going to try and war- lean on him a lot early so that Peyton doesn't wear out early in the season. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I mean, you know, when you look at Peyton's game logs, just in 2013... You know, he threw four touchdowns in each of his last two games. You know, they did make it to the Super Bowl. I don't know. Like, it certainly feels like it, he doesn't pass the eye test at the end of the season. But it's one of those things, like, we only need him up to game 16, to week 16. And, uh, you know, the stats probably do say that, you know, maybe you don't actually want to trade Peyton Manning. Maybe you. You get him, you keep him. Well, like the last uh, three or four games of the season, for example, uh, he only threw like four touchdowns and he averaged like 250 yards. So that's yeah, like that's he like, was injured last year, and it was it was sort of common knowledge. So at that point, you have to consider not uh, you know not starting him. But yeah, two touchdowns and four picks, you know, is pretty bad. So I mean, if you can if you can trade him high at like you know game 12 or 13. Uh, trick somebody into thinking he's going to be amazing. We all know that they're going to rest him, especially if they have a winning record, because they don't need to put him out there and have him be, you know, uh, damaged. Yeah. Um, so, uh, would you could you look up C.J. Anderson, like as far as where he fell uh, in fantasy standard scoring running backs, like what number? Sure. Uh, <clears throat> so, interesting thing Coming about right him up. is he ended up uh, with 849 yards and eight touchdowns uh, rushing. 34 receptions for 324 yards and two touchdowns receiving. Okay, and that's 2014 stats, and he really only played from game 9 to game 17. So the fact that he was all-purpose well over 1,000 yards and had 10 touchdowns, only playing in the second half of the season is pretty mind-blowing to me. Starting off that way, especially being a third-year player, I can see Anderson being the top-scoring running back in the entire league. If you uh, take those stats and you you really you know spread them out, right. So if he does what so he did, so C.J. Anderson finished uh, one, two, three, four, five, eleventh overall for points in a standard league. You know, ten touchdowns and twelve hundred yards from scrimmage will do that for you. And he had seventeen touches between week one and nine. Yeah, I mean, he was in. I would call it. The uh, fourth tier, so tier one, you had like Murray and Bell. Tier two, you've got, you know, Lynch, Forte, Foster, Lacey. 
and then you're dropping down to some guys who maybe missed some games, and he's kind of in that bunch where like everyone starts getting crowded with Lashawn McCoy and Jeremy Hill and all that. But again, he only played half the games. I know. Season. I know. Like so, you have uh, two players going under him currently. His ADP is about uh, 15 right now in a standard league, so that's the middle of the second round. Now it's definitely like valued pretty high because obviously of of his stats. But the people that are under him, that are after him, are Jeremy Hill and Alfred Morris directly. Uh, something that's very interesting is that after C.J. Anderson, to get to Jeremy Hill, there's like, uh, from the ADP that I'm looking at at fantasypros.com, um, overall ADP, uh, you have to go down like six uh, spots to get to Jeremy Hill. And from there, to get to Alfred Morris, you literally have to go down like 12 spots. So mm-hmm. it's just a huge like sheer drop-off. Well, everyone loves to pick up a running back on a high-powered offense because yeah. when they're winning that he's going to get a ton of carries you know i mean to close out the year the year last year he had a lot of high carry games some of those games he was getting terrible average per carry um but in a lot of those games he was scoring touchdowns anyways and he's catching balls uh and scoring touchdowns that way too and that should only increase considering that he had almost no usage as a rookie he only rushed seven times for 38 yards, so this is pretty much his second like actual uh, season going into it. And he has the trust of Peyton Manning, which is uh, far and away the most important thing that you can have on this team, mm-hmm. being a Denver Bronco. So what I'm saying is, uh, even though he's going in the in the middle of the second, I think his value might be in like uh, top five, top six running backs overall. So it's someone that I'm going to look at as maybe I can scoop him up. I mean, we talked about those top five guys before. Yeah. Um, and that's some lofty company. Well, even if he's six, I mean, if you can pick but him up after that whole big run let, and pick let, up a guy. I'll take a, a top five guy that everyone thinks is top five, and we would both take C.J. Anderson above him. Who's that? Matt Forte. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Especially because they're getting John Fox now, and he's he's going to go down a little bit, and Anderson might go up because of Kubiak. I get, well, remember, Anderson's production last year was under John Fox. Yes. But, um, you know. But I agree with you. I think that Anderson could beat out uh, Forte, especially in uh, standard scoring league. But I do think that Forte's ADP may have dropped recently in standard, whereas in PPR, he's probably miles above. Uh, although... You look at a guy like Anderson. Anderson's PPR value is there. So once he started getting used by like week eight or so, um, or week nine even, it probably would have been, uh, he had almost every game before that didn't even have any targets. And there was another game later in the season when he didn't have any targets. I think that might have been, he get hurt in one of the later games and then come back. Um, anyways, it's not important. Perhaps, but it's just, it's you so know, He crazy. had 44 targets over the course of about seven games or so, yeah. which is not Matt Forte numbers, but it will lead him to 60 to 65 catches a year, you know, when he's playing the full time. Well, all it does is it just makes him even more valuable. So I, you can't really extrapolate. We've talked about this before. You can't just take his numbers. In this case, you'd have to, like, double them, you know. So you're saying, well, if That he, would be doubling, essentially. Yeah, but he's not going to get 1,600 yards rushing and, and 700 yards receiving. Um, well, okay, so a lot of the... See, he did have yardage that you can't, you know... You can't necessarily... I think it's better to say that he'd probably average 4.75 yards per carry again next year. And we're going to say that he's going to have closer to 280 touches rather than the 179 he had last year. Well, he's going to be also in the prime of his career. He's going to be uh, he's 24 years old. And between like now and 26, 27 is when running backs make, do the most damage. So if he gets 
280 carries at the same yards per carry clip that he had this year. It's 1,300 yards. Well, I think he easily... And I think that's pretty reasonable. He should easily get 1,500 yards from a scrimmage, barring injury. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. And he scored 10 touchdowns last year, which means that this year, if he's on the same or even similar pace, he'll probably score 13, 14 touchdowns along with those 1,500 yards, Mm -hmm. which would place him in the top five running backs. And he's going at like the middle to the end of the second round. So all I'm saying is, if, if we're picking out players here, yes, Anderson is being valued high, not high enough yet. So if you're drafting, yeah. you need to take him. If you're drafting early, available. yeah, he's got to be good value right now. Uh, like we said, Hillman and Ball are just afterthoughts. Uh, Ball would slip into that role uh, right now if C.J. Anderson was to be struck by lightning. I'm sorry, Anderson. I, I really don't mean to keep uh, applying this lightning thing to you. and has nothing to do with San Diego either. Um, regardless, uh, I think that uh, we both agree Anderson will definitely outperform. Um, well, not outperform, but perform up to our expectations. Uh, I can see that. So wide receivers. So uh, Demarius Thomas, uh, what do you think about Demarius, and, and where does he project for you? You know, it's interesting. Um, I was watching NFL Network the other day, and they were just talking about, here's the top five uh, wide receivers today. Demarius Thomas was not on the list. Um, and I think that he is definitely a product of, you know, Peyton Manning. Not to say that he's a bad guy. Well, he even put up big numbers with Tebow, though. Um, yeah, but... And Tebow's a terrible quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> he's worse than Alex Smith or Andy Dalton. Oh, he's worse than all of them combined. You take all of their bad things, you know, and combine it. Um, but he... Look, he, he had some big plays with Tebow. But he only had uh, 32 catches and 500 yards with him. Well, it wasn't until Peyton Manning came that like everything really went off. Um, that being said, I think you know he had 143, 142, and 184 targets in the last three years. Those are all the years of Peyton Manning. I don't see that changing. Yeah, he's basically averaging 1,400. 150 yards targets this year. Sure, like that's going to mean he's going to be really close to 100 receptions. Um, so I mean, uh, they were obviously not talking about fantasy value for top five. Um, but he is, you know, if he's not top five, he's number six in terms of, you know, how high all these wide receivers are going to score. Well, his ADP is currently number 13, which uh, means he's being drafted right below Odell Beckham Jr. and Des Bryant. I would I would put him above Beckham Jr. in my rankings just because Beckham uh, only has one year of stats and, and uh, you know, Demarius is so consistent. Demarius scared everybody last year by having a slow start. Yeah, well, that happens. And he, he finished second overall in points. Yeah. If he had a proper start, he may have passed Antonio Brown. He yeah. could have approached 2,000 yards for the season. Okay, well, I mean, I, I guess his ADP being 13 is accurate. You're going to see him go uh, usually uh, at the corner or around the bend in a 10 or 12 team league. And that's just how it's going to be. Um, because this year, um, it, you're going to see the same kind of stuff that you normally do, which is the whole uh, shebang of running backs probably six or seven of them going off between the first and eighth picks. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen again because there's a lot. There's a good stable now of, of good running of backs. big running backs, yeah. And I like it. I, I like when that happens. Yeah, there's going to be, yeah. I mean, out of the top ten in most leagues, you're going to see at least seven in the first round. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders had a career year in 2014. He almost doubled his receiving yards and touchdowns from his previous high in 2013 when he played with the Steelers. Uh, he'll still be used a great deal in the passing game, but... 
I think that that number, like the numbers he reached last year, are unsustainable. Um, it, it looks like Sanders even recognizes that himself. He says, you go from a no-huddle offense to an offense that's predicated off running a football and then throwing it, and it's different. He's mentioned several times in interviews that he doesn't expect to be used as much as he was previously. Um, I love Sanders. I've always liked him. I just think that, that there has to be a little bit of a downgrade from the stats that he had last year. So you think the drop-off in Sanders and Thomas is going to come as a result of the offense that they're running? Yes. Okay. I, I, I could see that. I could see that being the case. I'm not saying they're going to turn into bad no, I, players. No, I get that. I mean, we're talking about the difference between getting 1,400 yards and getting 1,200 yards. Yeah, and I don't think that I mean Thomas might not even go down because he's averaged fourteen hundred yards every year. But for the that's last three that's years. still still that's that's a certain offense that they've been running for the last three years. Right, and so it's going to be different. It'll be a little bit different here. Um, so so we'll see. Uh, I I don't think that uh, Sanders' draft position really uh, needs to be discussed. He's one of those guys that could be slightly overvalued. Um, I know that we talk about him, you and I, uh, more specifically in a dynasty format because you have him on your dynasty team. Yeah, I picked him up as a <clears throat> I drafted him the first year and he's like sat on my bench. Yeah. It, you know, it's one of those dynasty picks where like you draft him for the future and it pays off and it's so damn satisfying. So in 2013 he had like 700 yards and six touchdowns. Right. And then the the subsequent year he had like 1400 yards and 10 touchdowns or something like that. Uh nine touchdowns. You know, you know it's kind of Frustrating when you look at it as a Steelers fan. I'm sure it was frustrating for you. He had 113 targets and only 67 catches. He was, you know, he was not catching almost half those balls. Well, Sanders was. Is he improved a, develop- a lot. He was a development project. It was him and Antonio Brown that were part of Young Money, mm-hmm. um, and Sanders uh, was moved away because the Steelers decided to invest heavily yeah. in Antonio Brown. Yeah, I think 2013 that, was the year that Brown went off. It was probably the right decision for them to make. I, you know. But, you know, one thing I'll say, and yes, I'm a Steelers fan, but most of the receivers that come from Pittsburgh, if any team ever gets a hold of them, because generally they don't until Pittsburgh's done with them, Sanders is, <laughs> Sanders is an exception. Um, they they have a great wide receiver program out there, and all their wide receivers end up doing really well over the past, like, eight, ten years. Yeah, unless your name's Mike Wallace. Well, Wallace and you was, only do well on the Steelers. Wallace was great with the Steelers, yeah. Mm-hmm. But maybe, you know, the reason that they got rid of him is because they knew that he was kind of done. Yeah. Who knows? Anyway, enough about the Steelers. So, uh, we've heard some good things about Cody Latimer, uh, mostly from uh, Sean Foss, who's a writer for us. He loves the guy. He thinks he's going to break out. Um, he's currently the third wide receiver on the Broncos, but he hasn't really shown us the money yet. So, okay. he hasn't done much of anything uh, when at times last year when we thought he might step up, it was uh, Andre Caldwell instead. And remember, there was Wes Welker before, and Wes Welker's no longer with the Broncos. Right. He's so, gone. So we're going to see either Latimer or Caldwell step up to the plate, but I honestly don't think that they're going to have enough targets uh, in this offense with all the, the players that they're already using to be a fantasy relevance uh, uh, you know, part of this team. So, I mean, who would you take? It was there. I mean, you know, I, I don't know what's going on with the tight end. There's Owen Daniels. Maybe that'll work. They have Virgil Green. Um, no, Owen Daniels is the go-to guy. He already has a relationship with Peyton Manning. Uh, there's no reason why he can't do the great From things. When? No, no, I mean, there's, there's they've, been... They've started hanging out. Well, uh, Manning has said, like, oh, we're just going to throw the Owen ball. Daniels Owen Daniels ordered some Papa John's pizza, didn't he? Yes. <laughs> so... There's still, I think that, um, you know, Sanders and Thomas on this team are guaranteed for a thousand yards. One of these other guys is getting a thousand yards too. Well, it's probably going to be Owen Daniels. 
I'm saying Latimer and Caldwell might split, or they might not even focus on that. But uh, I, I just I don't see a guy who has. Juan Daniels can't run away from anybody. I don't know that he's going to get a thousand yards. You don't have to run away from anyone. Peyton Manning can put the ball in your hands. And I'm not asked, I'm not saying he's going to get a thousand yards. In fact, what I'm saying is. Last year's stat line was 527 and four touchdowns with the Ravens. And the Ravens, if you remember, had uh, like issues at tight end, and uh, Owen Daniels was injured for some of that time. I think that if he stays healthy this year, he'll easily get 800 yards and, and six or seven touchdowns. Uh, red zone looks and all those checkdown procedures, even if teams are locking up the, the top two wide receivers, uh, guys like Julius Thomas were open all the time which is why it was so frustrating to play against the Broncos. <laughs> um, so I, I think he likes his tight ends. I think um, historically he's thrown the ball to his tight ends. I, I think I don't see a reason that that should change. Uh, now, I Latimer could break out, I suppose. But again, he's showed me nothing. I can't bet any chips on someone who's shown me nothing. Yeah, I mean, you know, Owen Daniels hasn't necessarily put up huge numbers really ever in his career. Um, but... That it's, all could change with Peyton Manning. It's the Peyton Manning effect. Yeah. Yeah. Like or, said, or own Daniels, as uh, you wrote it. Own. own. <laughs> Who owned the Chiefs. Yeah. Um, so his ADP is around 107. This is perhaps a guy that you could uh, pick up as a late-round tight end uh, that could put up numbers in the top 10 of uh, tight ends. Uh, low top 10, granted. But let's say you pick someone like Gronkowski or... Uh, even uh, someone like I don't know who's who's a, sort of a, like a Greg Olson maybe Jimmy Graham. Well, I suppose you want not the top guy. Yeah, I, any like of those a Julius guys. Thomas. <laughs> I, I think Julius Thomas is going to get a lot of play in ja- in Jacksonville. They're gonna, uh, oh, totally, they're going to pass him the ball like every single time. Blake Bortles is a promising young quarterback. Well, him, Robinson, Marquise Lee, uh, Alan Hearns they they have some good weapons over there. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, anything else that you'd like to bring up as far as the Broncos are concerned, and where do you see them finishing this year? Well, I think you've covered pretty much all the fantasy-relevant uh, people that I see there. Um, I see them winning the division. You know, I, I'm not... And then going into the playoffs and then losing one of those games. <laughs> you know, that's what that kind of depends. Like, <laughs> last year, it was pretty clear the writing was on the wall for them. But the year before, it was, you know, they were a team of destiny. And they could be it again, you know. Peyton Manning can just take over this shit and march them all the way to the Super Bowl. Well, it doesn't look to be the Patriots. I mean, Seattle will still be amazing. In fact, it could be even better this year. Um, but the I don't th- think Seattle makes it to a third straight Super Bowl. They're probably the best team overall in the NFL. Going into this season, I agree. Uh, the Packers are going to be excellent as well. Right. So they're going to be tough. And the Cowboys will be excellent as well. Yeah, there's a lot of good teams in the NFC. So it's dangerous. Dangerous, Peyton. Tread tread lightly. The NFC, I think, is kind of heavy on the talented teams right now. Yeah. Uh, San Diego Chargers. Okay. So they added Melvin Gordon, who is one of the first-round uh, uh, rookie They traded up. Only two spots to get him. Yeah, because Ryan Matthews went to uh, the Eagles, and that left them with a running back core that was basically, um, who was it? It was Donald Brown, Danny Woodhead, who was injured last year, and uh, Brandon Oliver. Woodhead. And Brandon Oliver Oliver. is a guy that played really well. Our favorite guy for one week last year. Yeah, he he played so surprisingly well for like a week and a half. (laughs) Uh, And then after that, he just dropped off the face of the earth. Obviously, he... 
is not someone that they can count on to be their running back. And neither is Woodhead, although he wasn't healthy. But his role is passing down back and, you know, like little scatter shot running back. It's not the main guy. And Donald Brown, uh, I think he is not on the team anymore. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where he went to, though. I think you're right. Um, so they added Melvin Gordon to be the early down back and bruiser and goal line back. So we'll see uh, Gordon all the time. Yeah. And this is a guy that, you know, you can pick up and he'll immediately probably be a high end RB2 if he plays really well, maybe even a low end RB1 in fantasy football, which is great. Um, but I hate playing these rookie running backs because they are so uh, inconsistent and difficult to. Um, you know, really count on. Yeah, I mean, we haven't had a top running back pick in a few years, so... There's a couple this year. Yeah, it was a good running yeah, back class. Yeah. Uh, so, actually, I mean, he, he could end up doing well. I'll tell you this. I know that there will be at least one or two running backs out of this class that will perform in the top uh, 15 running backs overall at the end of the year. I don't know who it's going to be, though. Totally. So, so, Donald Brown is still on the team, but it looks like, due to his contract... Unless he really outperforms people in camp, uh, he'll end up getting cut. I gotcha. Um, they also added Stevie Johnson, who's from the 49ers, and before that, the Bills. Totally irrelevant. I disagree. Uh, departures, Eddie Royal, who went to Chicago. Eddie Royal had a bunch of really good games last year, uh, and he may do the same thing for Chicago. He has like random high-scoring games, but he's not a good enough player to be like an overall consistent guy. So he doesn't really detract that much from San Diego losing him. Because even though he did have games where he scored like two, three touchdowns, generally he didn't really add very much to the offense other than being an average slot player. Yeah, I mean, he may strike it rich on like a game or two. Well, that's what I mean, but you but can't you can't own him and play him because he's not no. consistent enough to have a high enough average. He had two two-touchdown games. Uh, one of those was a 105-yard game. Everything else last season was just yuck. I think our friend Miguel actually played him during like that game. Which was, it's crazy to strike gold, like, you know, on that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, you're in the, it's always fun when you're, like, the 1% of all fantasy players that started this one player. Yeah, which is usually out of desperation. Yeah, usually you're starting people because of injury. Yeah. <laughs> because you are in a deep league and you have another choice. Right. Stuff like that. So, Ryan Matthews also left for Philadelphia, who we mentioned earlier when talking about Melvin Gordon. And, uh, Don't break your collarbone on the way out. And that's too bad because Ryan Matthews had just recently started being, uh, you know, staying healthy and playing well for the Chargers. Uh, so now they get to start over again with another running back. Um, so we'll see how that goes. I think the outlook for them in general is very hazy. Um, uh, <laughs> Philip Rivers has been uh, okay. Uh, I think he's going to throw for his usual. His usual is about 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns, maybe 28. Uh, his value will be above the Andy Dalton line. He's like the number 14 QB. Uh, he'll be a startable quarterback, too, that you can pick up in the 10th or 11th round. So as He was number 10 last year. Sure. But overall, average, blah, 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 Like he's going to end up being at the... Well, remember the Phillip Rivers rule. Every other year? No, no, no. Every year that Peyton Manning does well, he does well. Oh. Is that held true? I don't know. I mean, we haven't checked on it in a couple of years, but it was true for quite a while. Yeah. It was pretty interesting. Well, it's a tough one. It's a tough guy to pick, Rivers, because um, his, his games are kind of up and down, and he doesn't have a lot of like absolutely amazing games, but he is a fairly consistent quarterback. Um, if you're just looking for that kind of, what, like 250-yard... 1.5 touchdown game, right? 
Yeah, that's what he'll give you. Well, I mean, two touchdown game because two, yeah. thirty-one touchdowns on the year—that's two touchdowns. Which game. is why he's a high end QB two and not a not a low end there, like a like a. I Look, guess. you start him before Eli Manning. He had more points than uh, Tony Romo and well, Matthew I Stafford. Think, I think and Eli, Cam Newton last year. I think Eli could have a crazy awesome year this year, but that's a different. That's a show. different podcast. Um, okay, so his receivers, Keenan Allen, he had a dip in production last year. He only had like seven or eight hundred yards, whereas before, as a rookie, he really impressed everybody. Um, but I, I do think he's looking to bounce back. The, they're talking about his performances in camp being really good uh, and his uh, rapport with uh, Rivers being good. This is his third NFL season. Sometimes we talk about like that third breakout year. Mm-hmm. Uh, people would say that Allen already broke out. He just barely scratched over 1,000 yards his rookie year. But he could easily, you know, he has the talent. He has a quarterback that can give him the ball. So he could have a better year than his first year this year. And the other targets on the team are uh, Malcolm Floyd and Antonio Gates, both aging veterans. Um, Stevie Johnson is someone I'll talk about in a minute who I think could sort of take some of that away. But honestly, he's not going to be that much better than an Eddie Royal. I just think that a lot of people could have forgotten about Stevie Johnson because he had three over 1,000-yard seasons for the Bills with eight touchdowns per season over three years. Yeah, but that was a long time ago. That was 2010 to 2012. He's only 28 years old. He's not an old receiver. Really? So I think that this is a possibility of like uh, a guy like this being really good at PPR slot, having a couple big games. But he's a better Eddie Royal. And so I think they actually yeah, traded up. I see that. Okay. So he's like an Eddie Royal that you could use for four or five games instead of two. You know? uh, of course, it's Look, one they're of still going to have Malcolm Floyd. So. Yeah, but Malcolm Floyd is, is old and Antonio Gates is old. So Keenan Allen is, is going to be a pick of mine. For someone to have sort of a resurgence of a year. And uh, I think he's being undervalued. He's currently going in the sixth round, and I don't have any problem picking him up there or a little bit earlier because he's the number one receiver on a team where the quarterback throws for over 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. Mm -hmm. And so I think he can easily outperform his sixth-round ADP. Does Antonio Gates wind up in the top ten tight ends this year? No. And, I mean, if you want to talk about Gates, you've got Gates and Ladarius Green – Gates is 35 years old. He's a 35-year-old tight end. Um, unfortunately for him, this is the end of the line. He could have a couple games where he surprises still, like he did last year. Didn't he have a couple games where he scored he like two touchdowns? 12 touchdowns last year. But that was pretty much, I mean, it's kind of like the last hurrah, isn't it? Uh, I think he'll split time with Darius Green, and neither of them will be like good picks. Look, he was the second highest scoring tight end last year in fantasy. I can't see him being outside of the top ten. You know, he's going to beat, like, the guys who were up there last year, Travis Kelsey and Delaney Walker. Like, there's no way that those guys have a better year than Antonio Gates. Well, I Because I, he has Philip Rivers. I disagree with you about Travis Kelsey, but Delaney Walker, I do agree. I don't, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. I'm just picking guys from the bottom of the top ten. Yeah, well, but, yeah. but you've got a guy like Travis Kelsey is a young guy who's moving up. A guy like Antonio Gates, although he had a good year last year, is still overall an old guy trending down. Last year was like a bounce back year, though, for him. You can't just keep doing well. You know, you can't. It doesn't, it doesn't work He had like fewer that. catches, but he was doing better with each catch, and obviously he scored so many touchdowns. Well, weren't there a couple games where he scored like three touchdowns? So these are like almost like outlier games. Um. Well, he had... Uh, a three and one, two, three, two touchdown games. And then one, two, three single touchdown game. But I remember watching the games and I'm like, Antonio Gates, Antonio Gates, it's crazy. 
Um, and I agree with you. I think he could still do okay. But like tight ends aren't that great, you know? I don't know what you mean by that, no. Okay, so Gronk had 184 points for the whole season. Gates had 154. Graham had 144. Like, that's like half. You know, Jimmy Graham is less than half of what the best running backs and wide receivers are getting. And he's the third best tight end last year. I don't know that that's correct. Is, isn't a guy like Gronkowski actually giving you more of a fantasy output than uh, anybody who is lower than like wide receiver or running back five? Uh, I, doubtful. I, I don't understand what you're saying. He has a hundred. He had 184 points. I, I'm comparing him to like the top three. The top three what? The top three at his so no. Okay, so no nobody would have been double Jimmy Graham's points. I, I guess I overestimated their point values. Well, yeah. I mean, it only like DeMarco Murray and Le'Veon Bell doubled uh, doubled them up. Yeah, but those are those are the best fantasy performances out of any position. Right. And then most of the top quarterbacks. But I know what you're saying. Tight ends score in general less because they don't have as many opportunities as those other positional players do if they're WR1s or RB1s or quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. That's fine. That's why tight ends generally go lower in the draft than the other positions do. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, when you look at... There's going to be a tight end taken in the first round almost every year lately because everyone likes having that top tight end. I suppose what I might be getting at is that Maybe that's not worth it at all. Well, it depends. It, you it, need to look at how many points people are scoring you uh, uh, for the whole season. Well, we've had these conversations, and that's for a draft show, but we're talking about positional scarcity. So if you're saying that the the top two uh, tight ends are going to score this many more points than any of the other tight ends can, then that, that gap is larger than the gap between the uh, you know top two um, wide receivers and and the rest of their field. Yeah, in, in perspective of how many there are in that position. So we, we've had this conversation, mm -hmm. and uh, the answer is, if there's a guy like Gronk or Graham that go off and are that much better, it is worth it to take them. That could win you the league that's happened many years. Um, but if the field thins out or if, uh, if everybody starts doing better in general, like tight ends now are becoming more like big wide receivers, than they used to be. Yeah, there was more guys over 100 points in, than the previous years. And I think that should continue to trend up. There are more tight ends being used. There are teams that are doing double tight end sets. There's still tight, uh, tight ends that are used for mostly blocking. Uh, a guy like Brent Selleck could could be good, but he just blocks because he's like one of the best blockers in the NFL. He's good at blocking. So uh, is Gronk. Yeah. Gronk block. <laughs> but anyway... Um, Gates could do well this year. We'll see. Uh, I, I'm not saying don't pick him up. I'm saying he's really old, so he's now on the border of like undraftable for me. Okay. I mean, I felt like he was undraftable last year because he was the guy who I drafted so many years in a row. Well, these are these discussions you have. Yeah. Old Tony Gonzalez still did well. Old Frank Gore is still getting 1,000 yards a season. Old Peyton Manning, like we're predicting amazing things for him. But he's a quarterback, and they, they generally play longer than any other position. And he's player. also five years older than Antonio Brown. I know, but, but he doesn't run, and he falls down if someone comes after him. <laughs> you can't do that as a tight end or wide receiver. That's true. So, I mean, they're going to take more of a beating. Although Antonio Gates is much more well-equipped to take a hit than Peyton Manning is. Yes, yes. He's a big guy. <laughs> he is a big motherfucker. Um... 
So uh, Melvin Gordon is the brand new guy for the Chargers. He should uh, take the reins of the running game automatically, but he's not known as a passing down back. He didn't really have that role at all when he played in college. So the newly healthy Danny Woodhead, I think, should resume his role from 2013 as the pass catcher in the backfield. And uh, you're probably going to see a bunch of those because uh, guys like Rivers love to dump off the ball to whether it be the running back or the tight end, as we know. Uh, Gates used to be one of the best tight ends and I guess still is a top 10 tight end uh, candidate for this year. Um, Woodhead had 76 receptions in 2013, and I don't necessarily expect that. But I don't think Brandon Oliver will really take anything away from him because I feel like he's just insurance. He's not really someone that they trust or like, especially after they tried to give him a role and he couldn't carve it out. Right. He had a, a good surprise couple of games. So I think we'll see Melvin Gordon take all of the carries except for the occasional Danny Woodhead. Like, like third and long. Scatter back and all of the passing downs. So I think Danny Woodhead will be going in most of the third down packages, and he will be the primary passing back. But that's almost the same role that he had when he played behind um, uh, Ryan Matthews or um, who was the other running back there uh, in 2013? Um, Do you remember? Don Brown. Donald Brown. Was it Donald Brown? Yeah. Okay. Uh, same, kind of, same kind of thing. So he's, he's obviously not a big back, but he's going to be PPR fantasy relevance if he gets that many receptions. He will be out there in each game. And it's always funny when I see Danny Woodhead score a touchdown because he's such a little scrappy white guy. <laughs> you, you cheer for the little scrappy white guy? Yes. Why not? Uh, so anything else you'd like to add for the Chargers? Um, no, I mean, Jerkface West has pretty much got everything under control. And uh, I'm not, you know, I expect the same thing out of the Chargers that we get every year. He's so much better than Jay Cutler as a quarterback, though. He is. He is. <laughs> Cutler is like the picture of inconsistency and, and terrible leadership. But they do share yeah, a jerk Philip face. Rivers is just a picture of terrible leadership. They share a jerk face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, fun team. Fun team to to watch. A weird team because they've alternately had like some of the best offense and some of the best defense in the league at weird times, and then it doesn't carry With the over. Same coach. It doesn't carry too. over the whole it's year. Weird, yeah. It's like sometimes it just goes away. Like what happened to the defense, Casey? You were like number one, and now you're number seventeen. Like yeah. what? What exactly was the issue there? You started out undefeated, and then you lost all your games. So they didn't add or remove much. Pretty much just kind of placed. Uh, Dwayne Bow uh, onto the Cleveland Browns <laughs> and picked up Jeremy Macklin. Where wide receivers go to die. From the Eagles, which is an awesome move because Macklin is like three times better than Dwayne Bow is. And, of course, Andy Reid loved Macklin yeah. when he was there. And so now the Walrus gets Macklin, and Macklin is going to be used all the time. So uh, I don't think that, that Alex Smith is a very good quarterback. I think we should focus on uh, what Alex Smith will do here with the tools that he has available. So, in 2014, we've mentioned this many times, there were no wide receivers that caught a touchdown. Right. There were zero wide receivers that caught a touchdown. It was the awesome touchdown reception by Travis Kelsey. Yes. <laughs> but he's not a wide receiver. He is not a wide receiver. And there were many touchdown receptions by Jamal Charles. I'm sure there were. But he's not a wide receiver. There were no touchdowns by the wide receivers. Okay. So, tell us about Jeremy Macklin and how you think he could perform or not perform on the Chiefs and how that relates to Alex Smith's performance as a quarterback. Jeremy Macklin is definitely a guy who can uh, make things happen once he catches the ball. And that's one of the things that Andy Reid loves to do. And I think that that's something that Alex Smith can do. Yeah. 
Alex Smith was a first round pick, a number one pick overall. He's a smart. That guy. was the draft where Aaron Rodgers fell to the Packers at like twenty four. Yeah, and Aaron Rod- it was like between Aaron Rodgers and Alex Smith, who was going to go number one. It was weird how Rodgers fell so far, but uh, you know Alex Smith has the talent to lead a team. Obviously, we've seen him win a bunch of games with. Uh, with Kansas City, if he limits the turnovers, then he can be above the Andy Dalton line, which probably sounds a bit optimistic. Well, isn't he already above the Andy Dalton line, or is he like on it? Uh, well, I is mean, he slightly under the Andy Dalton line. I'm not sure. He's near it. I'm yeah. sure. Um, you know, we have to go to our Andy Dalton uh, lookup center. Alex Smith scored 226 points. Andy Dalton scored 241. So he's slightly, slightly below. Yeah, because he only had 18 touchdowns. But see, he only had six picks. Andy Dalton had 17 picks. So their numbers are probably very equatable. You know, Andy Dalton had four rushing touchdowns. That may not happen again. Still, Alex Smith uh, is is someone who doesn't take a lot of chances. Um, he doesn't like to throw the ball over, like, 15 feet. Um, <laughs> and Dalton will, although he's not a great quarterback, you know, throw the ball deep to A.J. Green, etc. Now, giving Alex Smith sort of a break... He didn't have an A.J. Green. He had Dwayne Bowe. Dwayne Bowe, I think, is a criminally overrated receiver in the NFL. Yeah, I so, mean, you put, some, you put the receivers that uh, Andy Dalton had on Kansas City, and Alex Smith's numbers are much better. Yeah, so with Macklin, he, I, I agree with you. He, let's say right now he's either on or below the Andy Dalton line, but he can make that climb. Jeremy up, Macklin brings him above it. Right up away. the mountain. So I, I expect statistical regression for Macklin because otherwise, I mean, it's impossible for there not to be. Because he had a really good year last year with the Eagles. Oh, 85 catches, uh, 10 touchdowns, 1,300 yards. That'll, you know, that looks amazing for anyone. But I do think that uh, he could surprise and, like you're saying, uh, break the um, the no touchdown spree. But I don't think that that touchdown number will be very high. I don't think he'll suddenly get 10 touchdowns on the team. I think it's more likely that Smith still ends up passing to his major targets like Kelsey and, and uh, Charles. But Macklin gets worked Macklin in. Macklin is immediately one of his major targets, I think. Okay, but but he's only going to get like five, six touchdowns at the most. He's not going to have like a crazy awesome statistical year because Alex Smith can't give it to him. Probably not. <laughs> I mean, because you know, Macklin, was, I want I want it to be true, but I, probably not. I you know, but he'll he'll still, against it. He'll still be a a, better, a bigger target with more catches, more yards, Smith's favor, and more touchdowns than Dwayne Poe. So that's good, but it's it's easily yeah. Honestly, it's more likely that Macklin ends up underperforming, right? So that's that's just gonna happen. Um, so let's see where Macklin is like in in the current ADP, for example. Okay. So and I'm just pulling it up now because last year he finished uh, easily in the top ten wide receivers. Yeah, his, his value take a real hit when he went to the Chiefs, and it's not because he's a bad player. He was right behind uh, Julio Jones. Uh, so ninth overall. Yeah, well, now his ADP is sixty-five overall, which makes him a seventh-round pick. So is he a little bit of a sleeper now? Well, this is what I'm talking about. I mean, so let's talk about the receivers that are just right around him, right? Uh, above him at sixty-three ADP, you have Vincent Jackson, and then below him at uh, let's see, uh, seventy-five, you have Kevin White. Um, so I, I don't. I don't think so. I, I don't think he's a sleeper. I think he's being valued around where he should be. Maybe he performs as like a fifth-round receiver instead of a sixth or seventh. Let me give you a few names in, that in may really shed some context. light on 
um, why he may struggle this year. All right, DeAnthony Thomas, Frankie Hammond, Jason Avant, a bunch of no-name wide receivers he's playing with. He's going to get double covered every game, and he's going to have all the attention on him. Yeah, and their new uh, uh, two guy, I forget his name, is is someone that no one's ever heard of either. Um, so we'll see. Well, they have a guy who was drafted in the fourth round in 2014, um, and they've got Frankie Hammond, and they drafted a bunch of uh, – they drafted a guy in the third round uh, this year. So we'll see. I, I just think, you know, he may struggle if only because there's no one else to take the pressure off of him. Although they, he does have Jamal Charles to, you know, make sure that uh, they're not leaving a light box. Uh, Albert Wilson is his name, so he's he's currently slotted to be like the number two guy. They really like him in camp, but he's a nobody, and it doesn't matter. It's just what you said. Uh, they're going to guard Charles and Kelsey and, and Macklin. Macklin's going to try to stretch the field, and they're going to have two guys on him every single play. So if they have two guys on him every play, that's there's nothing, right? There's yeah. nothing for him. Uh, it's going to be hard for Smith to get him the ball, and all it's really going to do is Macklin running out there is going to open up the field for Kelsey and Charles to do better is what's going to happen. Um, so it's too bad for Jeremy, because I like him. I think he's great. Maybe he can be athletic and good enough to make some plays happen, but I think he only ends up with like seven, 800 yards and five or six touchdowns, uh, if that, because I just don't see it happening for him, which is why he's being drafted in the sixth and seventh round. Yeah. Um, it, it could be a surprise. We'll see. Uh, but I think the real breakout could be Travis Kelsey. So as a rookie, he ended up with over 800 yards and five touchdowns. That's rookie... Uh, production from a tight end. Usually tight ends that come in the league as rookies are not very good. Uh, this year should see even better stats, especially with Charles and Macklin stretching the field in a bunch of different directions. So they can't guard Kelsey because they have to guard Macklin. Yeah. Which means that he's going to get even more little dump-off routes because what does Alex Smith love to do? Not throw the ball far? Little dump-off routes. So, yeah. I mean, Kelsey wasn't technically a rookie. He had played a game in 2013. So he had a lot of time with the team and with camp and stuff, but uh, certainly, you know, for his first full year, uh, that is, um, you know, about as good as you're going to get from a tight end. Yeah, I, I mean, he's being hyped up a little bit. Uh, his ADP is currently uh, in the sixth round. Uh, and by the way, all the people that we've talked about being in the sixth round, there's, there's a lot of value. That's a picks full sixth there. round right there. There's a lot of value picks. Yeah. Um, so six six rounds going to be packed full of players. But uh, here's a guy who I think could be a top five tight end this year because of the situation he's in, because of how big and powerful he is uh, as, a, as a tight end. I tried to get him in a couple leagues last year, but I, I, I didn't. But he's 6'5", 260, uh, and he's not a slow runner. A lot of people uh, think of him as, uh, um, well... Plotting, uh, a plotting plotter? No, he's not a, a typical slow tight runner, end. Is what I said. Right. Well, he wouldn't be a plotting plotter then. Well, I was. I thought you were getting at that. A lot of people think of him as someone who's not fast, but really he is. No, because if you we watched the we watched the tape last year, we watched the games. He was a guy that was like making moves and, and getting a whole bunch of yardage. Yeah, he was really impressive. Um, uh, Roto World has this little bit about him, and they mentioned Vernon Davis and how he finished uh, as a top three fantasy tight end with Smith in San Francisco twice because Alex Smith just loves those little passes. So. I think he throws it how many feet? <laughs> 15, <laughs> maybe 10. So I think uh, Alex Smith and uh, Jamal Charles and Kelsey are going to be this, this little tight-knit group where uh, the ball never goes further than 10 feet in any direction. But those guys are both good at yards after catch, which is great. 
And that's the real good stuff about the Chiefs is that those kind of fantasy players get you a ton of points. Um, and let's talk about Charles. So he's been carrying the offense for a while. Uh, will again this year unless he gets injured. But he's not a guy who runs in between the tackles. Uh, so he doesn't tend to get all of that uh, baggage associated with he it. He will if he needs to. Yes, but he's, he's not doing it. It's not like DeMarco Murray who's going to like die when he's you know 40 years old. Right, he's, he's not getting nearly the same carry load. Yes, so because of the playing They'll style... They'll have Niall Davis to help out with that. It, it degrades very well, uh, this particular playing style, because he's mostly just receiving passes in the backfield. Um, so what that means is even uh, in the coming years, if Charles is used less as uh, like an oncoming storm, he's still going to be a guy who can be like a, a Reggie Bush and get tons of passes in space for a long time. Charles has never finished a season below five yards per carry. That is fantastic. <laughs> you know, every single year, I think that maybe he's going to uh, reach the end or fall off a cliff, which is it's just because I've owned him. He's gotten less work the last two years, but you know, there's some injuries in there. But every time he plays, it, it's he has the ability to score like four touchdowns. It's, it's ridiculous. Beautiful. Yes. <laughs> um, he scored 19 touchdowns in 2013. And I think he could easily do that again. Um, he could be the number one guy. It's it's easy to see because. We just talked about Alex Smith gives the ball to Charles or Kelsey, and that's pretty much their entire offense. Um, Niles Davis is right. Niall Davis Niall. is right behind him, uh, but he's not really getting any uh, any viable, sustainable fantasy production. Um, if he was to be injured, then Davis is slotted right in there as an RB one, which is great. So, although I never recommend handcuffs. I think that if someone drafts Charles this year as like a number one pick, they should try to get Davis. Because if if Charles does go down, then Davis automatically becomes an RB1. And uh, yeah, yeah. that's fantastic. That's one of those handcuffs where the talent is there to immediately you know step into that kind of production. Yeah, should, should uh, he be on a different team like San Diego or the Cowboys, Niall Davis would be like a 1,000-yard runner with 60 pass receptions. So, I mean... It, it sucks for him. Can you imagine playing behind Jamal Charles? It's like uh, Andy Reid's like, well, we know you're good, but it doesn't really matter. They may find a way to kind of, you know, Andy Reid's a creative, offensive guy. He may find a way to really get both of them involved more this well, year. Well, they are using him. Like they spell him. Not, Davis will come in for uh, several uh, series, and he'll get all of those uh, uh, touches in the series. But yeah. then he comes out because why would you not have Jamal Charles? Uh, for the very beginning of Jamal Charles' career, I remember this sp- specifically because I've owned him in leagues for years. Uh, he was running with uh, Thomas Jones, and it would always be like Thomas Jones gets more, and Charles just gets like a third of the offense. But when Charles is out well, there, when Charles is out there, he does great. He has like triple the production of of like yards after catch or or um, you know average yards per carry than Thomas Jones did. Uh, but I get it now, and and I kind of appreciate it now. Todd Haley, so thank you uh, for uh, for not putting all the miles on him early. Yeah, and he's you know they've they've held off for the most part all the way through. He only had two hundred and six carries last year, um, fifty nine targets, forty catches. So, but to be a top five running back, pretty. Uh, he only needs like one hundred and eighty carries. Yeah, uh, I mean he averages uh, so many yards per carry; it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he was a uh, seven last year, eight last year. 
And he was injured for uh, several games. Yeah, he got injured in one game, and then he sat out the next week, and then they were like on bye the week after. Which, you know, otherwise he would have missed another game. Yeah, he scored 210 points last year. I mean, what do you want? Same thing. Can't complain. Every year. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and for him, I guess it's more... But if he puts up 200, I could see Niall Davis getting over 150. But I, I don't think that's going to happen. The only reason why he Niall Davis had so many carries is because Charles was injured. If Charles isn't injured, there's no reason for them to put Davis in for that many carries. So, I mean, when Davis was in there, in place of him, he was getting the bulk of the role. And well, yeah. I mean, especially because there's no one else then to spell you. Any uh, other last comments on the... Uh, Any on the... Chiefs? I just want to see their wide receiver catch a touchdown. I think this year we will see that streak broken. Well, good for them. Congratulations. Go Chiefs. Although we say that now and it hasn't actually happened yet. so I don't think we're jinxing them by saying it'll happen. <laughs> So let's move on to the last team, uh, the Oakland Raiders in the AFC West. And the Raiders are a team that is improving. Um, you know, I agree. They, they will have more fantasy production this year. Uh, there are going to be some people like Amari Cooper, who they just drafted, which many people believe to be one of the great wide receivers of the past several years. I should have made a bet with you last year that uh, Derek Carr was going to start every game. Why would, why would you do that? Well, you totally would have taken it. Why would I have taken that? Because at the beginning of the season, like, you know, you were like, no way, Derek Carr is the rookie that ends up starting. <laughs> <laughs> he started every game. I couldn't believe it. Last year? Yeah. No, he didn't. Because He's was... the only rookie that started every, the only rookie quarterback started every game last year. Wasn't there another quarterback there that was playing for uh, the Raiders last year? Um, the Raiders had Christian Ponder. No, and, there was somebody uh, else. Yeah, but he didn't play last year. They cut him. They got rid of him before the season started. Hmm. Well. He started every game last year. If that's the case, that's cool. I mean, I don't really care about Derek Carr, to be honest with you, but it's interesting. Uh, so, people uh, that have left, Darren McFadden went to the Cowboys, um, and he's in a weird situation there with like three or four guys, none of which are that good. You know, they could split carries or whatever. Who, who the hell knows? Um, then we have um, Denarius Moore, who left and went to the Bengals. If you remember correctly, I think two years ago, we were talking about Denarius Moore being one of the best wide receivers out there as a prospect. Mm-hmm. He was playing really well, um, and he was getting these really big stat games. And then he just started doing terribly. I don't know exactly what happened to him, but he went to the Bengals, which is interesting. Um, not really. He's probably not going. <laughs> he's probably going to be like the fourth guy, there. which is interesting. No, never mind. Well, I, I changed feel, my mind. I feel bad for these guys that you know can put up great stats, could be a possible superstar on a team, yeah. and then end up just fizzing out. Yeah, I guess some people only have three games in them, you know, and that's all they have. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of guys like that throughout the league. So uh, going back to Derek Carr for a second, he is right behind. Uh, in points for last year, Andy Dalton and Alex Smith. Oh, is he? Yeah. So he's in that great group of quarterbacks there. The, and then Teddy Bridgewater. Um, but, yeah, like, if you start all 16 games, you're going to be in the top 20 quarterbacks probably. Sure. Because a lot of guys are going to get injured. A lot of teams are going to have a lot of uh, instability at quarterback and have to switch guys throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maurice Jones-Drew retired, which at this point is is sort of – Old news. Inevitable uh, and irrelevant. Did he get to retire as a Jaguar? 
Did he like go back and sign a contract for a day? That sort of thing. Uh, I don't. I don't remember. I don't know. See, I've I've never been a Jones Drew or a Jaguar fan or a Raider fan, so I'm kind of out of this bubble. That's funny because his name is almost my cousin's name in reverse. So we're all big fans. Okay. (laughs) Huzzah! (laughs) Cheers to that. A crazy coincidence. Sure. Plinko. Hmm. Uh, so, guys that they, they picked up, they picked up Roy Halu uh, from the Washington Redskins. Halu. Uh, who I think is an interesting pickup. Still not really someone that has uh, a large fantasy value. But in their running back situation right now, for example, they have Latavius Murray, who is a guy who's extremely athletic and has the possibility of taking over the RB1 position there in a scheme that could maybe you know go back to the kind of power running scheme that Darren McFadden excelled in in Oakland. Although this team is so much far in a way different from that now that it's not really a viable thing to even talk about. Now, Dave, don't speak too soon. You're not entirely sure that Trent Richardson doesn't take it over, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah Trent, Trent, Richardson, <laughs> Trent Richardson is there because uh, he's a camp body. Uh, no, come on, he's a flyer pick. He's actually listed on this depth chart above Roy Halu. He's a flyer pick and a guy who is the backup for Latavius Murray right now. Roy Halu is uh, the passing down guy, so right. that's how it works. Right. But yeah, I'm not worried about Richardson taking over anybody's job anymore. No. He's just, whatever he was... He, he can barely take over his own job. Whatever he was, he is not any longer. But uh, I could envision a scenario that is similar to what has happened uh, in multiple teams where you have... Sort of the big athletic guy, and then the guy who spells him and is the passing down guy. And Haley was a really good uh, back, if you remember, for Washington when there were some injuries to running backs. Yeah, like if Alfred Morris isn't in, he went out for stretches and would like put up great stats. Well, you know, he did well against the Bears. So it was magnified being in Chicago. Everyone does well against the Bears. Yeah, um, they also ended up picking up Michael Crabtree from the 49ers. another really disappointing guy who uh, was picked as. Uh, perhaps a very high uh, ceiling receiver, and then didn't end up doing much of anything. Although, let's be honest, all those receivers on the 49ers never really did much of anything because that team is just not a passing team. They had Alex Smith, and they had Colin Kaepernick. And Colin Kaepernick, although there are times in which he has looked good... He uh, knows how to throw a football. He doesn't throw the ball, though. He's really good at throwing a football fast. Yeah. <laughs> but but they they don't end up being that team. And this is his last year, really, uh, to prove that he can throw a football and win games. And if he doesn't, he'll probably be ousted as quarterback uh, in favor of some other kind of new um, new person over there. Because I, I agree. He's just, it's not working. You know what I mean? It's he was working. a hair above the Andy Dalton line last year. Yeah, and he's got all the athletic talents in the world. But he's like Cam Newton, for example. He can run, but he can also throw the ball. He can throw the ball a lot better and a lot more consistently than Kaepernick. And yeah. unless Kaepernick can start to do that, then he's never going to become this guy like Cam, who's going to be the franchise quarterback there for as long as he can throw a football. Yeah, that was Cam Newton's down year. Yeah, you know. exactly. I don't know. I look forward to you know going back to the Raiders. I look forward to Derek Carr. He threw 21 touchdowns last year. That was more than Newton, more than Kaepernick, more than Dalton and Smith. So he has some talent. Um, I, you know... I'd like to see him grow as a quarterback rather than, you know, do a typical Raiders thing and just stink for the rest of his career. 
So let's talk about wide receivers. So they have uh, Rod Streeter in there who did pretty well. They have Andre Holmes in there who did pretty well. Those guys are three and four. Uh, mm-hmm. Now they have Michael Crabtree sort of slotted as the number two guy. He probably will end up being there just because he's more of a, a guy that sort of has a proven track record as a receiver. They've got Kembro Tompkins. Running routes. Well, he's he's not anything we should even talk about right now. Uh, but Amari Cooper is the guy, right? Absolutely. So uh, this guy who's a Raiders beat reporter, Bill Williamson, said he's ready to break out immediately. He honestly will probably have a 1,000-yard season because he's going to be the guy who is immediately targeted almost every single play. He's going to run routes all around people, um, and he does have sort of a supporting cast there. These guys like Streeter and Holmes and Crabtree, they've been on teams for a while, and they've shown that they can catch the ball. They're yeah. not they're not all-stars in their own route, but they know how to play football. It's not like the, the supporting cast of the Chiefs, of which there is none. Right. I like the way that they're starting to build up this team. Like, I'm not an NFL scout. I don't know talent as well as them. But I do notice that they're sort of copying the way other franchises have built up themselves. They've got a, a rookie running back, uh, who's very promising. They drafted a quarterback last year and got him to start all 16 games, and now they've gone out and picked up a really good, talented wide receiver for him. That's something that you know that uh, Atlanta did with a lot of success. Uh, it's something that several other teams have been able to do. Indianapolis did it. They picked up T.Y. Hilton after they got Andrew Luck. You know, These teams sort of have a formula for building up the franchise. I see Oakland trying to do the same thing. I don't know if they're using as high-quality parts as everyone else. Maybe they're cheap imitations from China yeah, sort of should, thing. You know how it works. I mean, But sometimes it works for a while. Sometimes the crap you buy from Walmart will work you know, for a year before you realize it's crap. It's a copycat league. They all are because they have to be because otherwise they're going to lose their jobs if they don't prove something or do something the fans want. Same as in basketball right now. Like the Golden State Warriors are this small team. They won the uh, NBA Finals, right? Uh, and now there's all these teams that are trying to go out there and do this sort of... Uh, like, um, um, you know, fast break, three-point shooting, small team, fast team, dexterous team. Yeah. That's what they are. And for a long time, the NBA was like big players, fast break, layup. And this is the first time that Steve Kerr was like, well, why don't we just fast break it and shoot three-pointers every time because that's more points. <laughs> Can I ask you a deep sports question, Dave? Yes, both. Do you prefer your championship trophies to uh, have the name of the league or the name of a person on them? You mean championship trophies for the actual sports leagues or for so, the fantasy leagues that were... No, 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 the actual sports leagues, the way that they're known. So, like, either the World Series trophy or the NBA trophy or the Vince Lombardi trophy or the Stanley Cup. To have the name of the team? No, no, no. It, the common name for the trophy is either named after the league, like, you know, like baseball. I guess baseball is named after the finals, at least. I don't know, but the NBA trophy doesn't... It's just the NBA Finals. It's not anything special. Oh, well, you're, you're talking about, like, uh, do you, do you want to have a story behind it kind of thing? Yeah, I well, suppose. I mean, you're a big hockey fan, right? So you're, you're probably reminiscing yeah. right now about the Blackhawks win. Oh, I'm currently, like, swimming in it. And, yes, Lord Stanley and his story is... But Vince Lombardi and the Lombardi trophy also has... It's not as long, but it has now 50 years of fucking awesomeness. I think that's neat. Look, but I, you know, I try not to get carried away because I don't like the Olympics. And I hate that they have, like, the stories about every single person who's like, here's his family and, like, all that happened here. I don't like these long-winded stories that they always tell about everything. There's, you know. Because it doesn't matter. There's a lot of annoying human interest pieces on uh, football as well. It, It doesn't really matter, but... 
But if you're going to just do it once, if it's if it's this thing that just gets brought up once and not every single time you talk about anything, like in the Olympics, which is what I don't like, yeah. um, uh, then that's fine. I mean, I think the story behind the Stanley Cup is cool. Uh, I think the Vince Lombardi trophy is cool. Um, I think that you might as well do something like that. Then the problem becomes, uh, who is this person then become, that becomes immortalized and, and who are the, all the people that are going to feel really bad about not being About not being immortalized, yeah. There's, it would be this huge discussion. And I, I obviously wasn't there well, they, 50 they, years ago you know, when they decided to do the Vince Lombardi Trophy or the Stanley Cup. Um, but I'm sure that at the, the time... The Stanley Cup is over 100 years old. Well, something. that's fine. But I'm sure at the time that these things were decided that there were lots of people... Uh, they were like, oh, come on. Having big arguments over who it is should, sure. should be on. And, and all the other people do get lesser trophies. You've got Lamar Hunt uh, it, on the AFC side and George Hallis on the NFC side. Yeah. Uh, they're... Those are the champion, the trophies named after them. But yeah, to answer your question, I I think that it's cool to have a person and not just NBA Finals, whatever. Like I think that's cool. So Derek Carr, you mentioned, we think that he could continue to you know slowly raise his game up. Obviously, younger quarterbacks in this league take a little bit of time to fully develop, and with this team being uh, somewhat young now, um, they have the time and. Uh, the cool thing about organizations like this one is when it gets this reorg and rebuild, that you kind of give people a lot of string. You know, you give people a lot of line, a lot of rope. Um, right, you gotta. You have to have three or four years, or else you're never going to see what will happen with that system. Right, you look like an idiot if you put someone in and pull them immediately. So they really got to screw up bad. So Murray and Halu could be good. But we really don't know. It's got to be Tressman-like. Murray had like five good games at the end of last season, and he was a rookie last year. This year he'll be a second-year guy, but he hasn't played enough games to have like a, a very uh, cohesive... Uh, like. He has too small of a sample size. Yeah, so we'll see how that works. Um, and then Amari Cooper right now is just, you know, who, who knows? But his talent is there. His talent is there. As a route runner, he is the most versed out of all of the uh, wide receiver rookies, according to all the scout reports that I've read. Um, he was easily people's number one pick in most rookie drafts because he is a guy uh, similar to like a Sammy Watkins or um, uh, Calvin Johnson, a guy that is picked you know, to be a superstar later in his career. Even if it's not now, it doesn't matter. I think Cooper, like you said, is going to start out really strong. Yeah, but it, it, but it doesn't matter because he's so good and so athletic that he's one of those guys that if he, even if he doesn't break out right now, in three or four years, uh, he will because he's just that good. Yeah, I mean, he's the fourth overall pick. Like, you know, most of those guys hit. Although not all. Not all. Um, then you have uh, Michael Rivera, um, who is kind of a slow tight end who had a lot of opportunities in the past. Mostly because of the fact that it's a new offense, and uh, I don't know that they have the best offensive line, for example. Um, but his games are incredibly sporadic, and he has stretches. And I don't know that he'll be the guy, even though he's the incumbent there, because they just drafted a new tight end pretty high, Clive Walford, uh, from Miami, who they think might even get the starting role. So you may end up seeing split you know, from those guys, which would make it so that neither of them are fantasy relevant. Yeah, I mean, Michael Rivera was a sixth-round pick who last year was his second year on the team, kind of probably just, like, buddied up with the rookie quarterback, you know, and got a lot of playing time that way. Yeah, so I, I don't really want to pick either of those guys. I think right now the only people that I would own and play starting off 
this next year are Amari Cooper, which I, I can't have because he's probably going to be drafted too high for me to honestly re- reach and What's grab. his ADP? Uh, well, let me look it up. Okay. I mean, is Michael Crabtree at all relevant on this team? Uh, Michael Crabtree wasn't relevant on the 49ers, and he had a similar style, and, and well, not style, but a similar uh, quality of quarterback. Which means that I don't really see how he could he would be suddenly relevant here. Yeah. So uh, obviously the other guy worth owning on this team would be uh, Latavius Murray. Uh, I have high hopes for him this year. Obviously. Sure. But again, being on my fantasy team, it's though. not a proven thing, so it's difficult for me to pick him if he is at a certain point in the draft because of hype. Um, Dynasty is a different animal entirely. Uh, but I think yeah. it's always good to have a young running back that is sl- slotted into that position of starter. That you can't ask for anything better, at least from like a flip the coin kind of. Uh, Especially standpoint. when there's names like Trent Richardson and Roy Haley behind him, you're not worried that he's going to immediately like just lose a whole bunch of carries or anything. Well, he gets the chance, yeah. Yeah. Amari um, Cooper, his ADP is currently 51, which is the very beginning of the sixth round, um, and he's being dra- <laughs> he's being drafted uh, so like. In between Golden Tate and Julian Edelman, um, my problem with him is that he's a rookie wide receiver with a young quarterback on a young team. I don't think I'm going to pick him, but you know, certainly if if he has the ceiling of getting up there to that thousand yard season, it's a possibility. Yeah, uh, the one uh, I upside, like, I suppose, being on a bad team, obviously, you're going to be have a lot of garbage time. Well, on. I take Tate over Cooper, even though he's a WR two every time. For me, because he's more consistent. Uh, he's on a team that has... I'd probably take Edelman, too. Yeah, so I'd take Edelman or Tate personally over Cooper. Now, I agree that he should be in that range-ish. Uh, you've got guys like Keenan Allen that are there. I would probably take Keenan Allen over Cooper. Uh, but then you get down you know, to, to people that I, I would take him over. Anyway, I think he might be slightly overvalued for Although, being a rookie. Th- when I think about it, in a standard league, I might take Cooper first. But in a PPR, I'm definitely taking Edelman or Tate first. Well, and and I don't know. We talked about Detroit uh, when we did the NFC North, but Tate, for example, I mean, last year he had 1,300 yards, so 1,300 yeah. yards and and five touchdowns. Uh, I don't think Cooper does that. No. So no, that's true. But he doesn't have you know Matthew Stafford throwing to him either. Well, exactly. So what what do you do? You appeal to uh, your your logic and you take the guy who has the better quarterback. Uh, but, I mean, if we're being honest with each other, if one's a WR1 clearly and one's a WR2, uh, it, it has... That gives to, him a lot of weight. Still. It does give him a lot of weight. I just... Yeah. When you pick rookies like that in a redraft league, it's tough. Because it's, yeah, this is, there's a reason why they're next to each other in ADP. It's a very tough call. Because half the rookies... They each have a lot, of, a lot going for them. Half the rookies will not turn out, so... Yeah, I mean, even if half he's, overall, but like as we saw last year, the rookie wide receivers certainly uh, were able to do you know hold their own. Well, remember last year's wide receiver draft class was one of the best in years that Jordan Matthews and going into and, this year, they were saying that it could be no. Rivaling. This year is all running back, man. This is the running it's back class. All. There was there was there was a couple of high running backs. There was a couple more in the second round. I don't. There's more wide receivers. I don't dislike the wide receivers this year, but guys like Aguilar and Kevin White, they're not as good as like the best wide receivers from last year. They're not Beckham and Sammy Watkins, probably. That's what I mean. They're not. They're not that good. But last year didn't have hardly any running backs, and this year has guys like Melvin Gordon and Todd Gurley and Amir Abdullah. There's definitely more. Duke Johnson and David Johnson and like all those guys are going to get the chance to be starters this year. So yeah. 
Uh, I can't but, wait for freaking football, dude. Well, of course. It's less than 100 days away. It's about all I know. <laughs> so, uh, how many days away is football? <laughs> so, I, I guess unless you have anything else to add, like uh, make sure to check us out at drink5.com uh, and at Stitcher and iTunes. Subscribe to Drink 5 Network. Uh, you can check out our RSS feed directly on the website where you can uh, uh, you know, have your own reader or whatever tell you when the new shows come up. There are 79 days until the Steelers play in New England. It's not so long. I'll, I'll drink to that. Until they beat the Patriots because Tom Brady will be on the, on the bench. <laughs> mm. And because the Patriots have no cornerbacks, that's going to be like 85,000 to zero. It's going to be ridiculous. <laughs> and no Tom Brady is, yeah gonna magnify that shit yeah so uh so as i said please do check out the website etc uh we would appreciate it if you would review the podcast uh give it a star rating or tell us what you think good or bad and if you've been listening this far if you do have any tell people to go to bed i'm sorry did you tell people to go to bed no oh i swear i heard you say that i think you should go to bed i'm ready for bed you're hearing things last night was uh all night gaming session (laughs) We well, settled Catan like motherfuckers. Yeah, that is a cool game. Well, if we don't have football to uh, talk about or watch, then I guess uh, we have to settle for strategy games of another kind. Sounds good. So, uh, so yeah, thanks again for listening. You can hit us up at Jason at Drink5.com or David Drink5.com if you do have suggestions for a particular show or anything that you want to ask. And as always, have a great evening or uh, morning or whenever the hell you're listening to the show. And uh, drink five.